Welcome, fellow anglers, to the Working Class Fishing Podcast, a place for all anglers, amateur or expert, to share their stories and learn about fishing. Join your hosts, John and Brian, each episode as they debunk the perceived inaccessibility to fishing, break down the barriers of any and all angling methods, and hear stories from other anglers and their own journeys with fishing. Now, let's get this show started. Welcome back to another episode of the Working Class Fishing Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Brian, and as always, here's Mr. John Morris with a list of sponsors. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Working Class Fishing. This episode is brought to you by Trout Lender Nets, Lid Rig, Maxon Outfitters, Anger Rooster Fly Company, and Morris Fly Co. All right, guys. So tonight, our very special guest, we have Dan here. And Dan is also known as Musky Fool on Instagram, uh, based out of Wisconsin. He says, uh, Madison, uh, his, his, uh, profile says, uh, Wanaki, if I said that right, I think I said it right. There's a lot of keys in, you know, in Wisconsin. So good stuff there. Um, as you know, we've been kind of on a spree of talking about predator fishing and by the time these, uh, episodes air, this is going to be a really good way for all of you folks that are out there that are into the predator fishing to get a lot of good information because it's going to be right in the heat of battle when when these fish are coming out. So, Dan, thanks so much for coming on the podcast. We really appreciate it. Thanks for having me, guys. I appreciate it. I apologize, though. I uh, I was only prepped on Euro nymphing, so I cannot really speak to too much <laughs> predator fishing tonight. <laughs> well, then... All right. All right. Well, that, that's fair enough. <laughs> no, no, that's good, dude. I, you know, uh, looking at, at your patterns, your flies, your fishing, everything else. The first place I ever got into muskie was in Wisconsin. Uh, we were up in, um, uh, Mosinee, uh, which as you know, is just, uh, up there around Wausau and, uh, that, that got my addiction for muskie going. And then I came back home to the West and well, not, not, not as prolific of musky fishery. So it's always been my dream to go, go throw meat at muskies and do some of that stuff. But, you know, tell us a little bit about yourself, tell the audience who you are and what you're doing. Yeah. Well, I think you kind of, you gave me a good jumping off point, you know, born and raised in Wisconsin. And, and um, I think humbly speaking, I speak for the musky community, you know, the musky conversation for the most part begins and ends in Wisconsin. Um, this is where it all starts the history. And uh, I think that's important background for myself. That's the world I grew up in. Um, I didn't grow up in Bozeman, Montana. My first experience with fishing was suckers and bucktails um, and Joe Booker. And, you know, like that's the history we have that, you know, the musky and Hayward and, um, you know, it took me a little bit to, to find my way to fly fishing. And I think um, that's probably a not too uncommon experience for a, a Midwesterner. Um, so, you know, as far as like the full, the full shtick goes, um, yeah, grew up, grew up here in, in the Milwaukee area, actually came up to uh, Madison for school, really started fishing, not out of my own desire, right? I got pulled along in the boat, um, you know, actually on walleye trips that soon turned into musky trips, um, you know, when I was a kid. 
with my dad and uncle and uh still something we do you know as every every october my dad's birthday is october 5th which is always a a good time to be up in musky country so that's kind of been a regular staple for you know most of my life um you know went to college grew up became an adult against my better judgment and um got into you know the work the working world so i was in startups mainly in the technology healthcare space um as a CFO doing really boring shit to make those companies grow. And we can go into that here, but this is not what that podcast is about. So I, I will keep that brief, but yeah, I mean, the, the long and short of it is uh, spent enough time in that world to know um, wasn't keeping me alive. Wasn't making me feel full, um, you know, which I think is uh, in general, um, kind of a, a luxury we get as being uh you know, people born in 2022 or people living in 2022, we get to at least attempt to pursue our passions. So, you know, for lack of a better term, that's what I fucking did is, is, you know, I left, I left that company mid COVID, um, for, for a few different reasons. And, um, you know, we were actually up in Hayward on our anniversary trip where the the big Muskie is one of the capitals of Muskie in Wisconsin. We have two of them. Um, and and really it hit us like here we are in you know mecca for muskie and the conversation isn't getting louder you can kind of see the towns getting older and the bars getting older and the fish mounts are getting grimier and the history is fading away and meanwhile um you know i think we look out in our little world and see a, a rising momentum of angling passion and I think was it was an attempt to bring those two together here in Wisconsin, tapping into what we like to do, how we like to fish, which is fly fishing for muskies, um, and and build, building a brand and a company and ultimately a fly shop around that. You know, it's 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 not for everyone. I think we're even clear at saying that. It's frankly, it's written right there in the name, musky yeah. fool. This is not I catch a lot of muskies.com, right? Like it's it's musky <laughs> fool. And um I think that that is what we really set out to do was to really tie together that rich musky history that we grew up with into the fly fishing world. Because from our perspective, up until musky fool, it was still um a, a pretty much a basement industry. You know, it was, you'd be lucky to find some flies at your fly shop. You'd be lucky to find 11 and 12 weights, even right here in Wisconsin. Um, And and that's not me. Let me just clarify. That is not me saying musky fools started musky fly fishing, because I'm sure there'll be somebody that heard that and tells me not at all. We stood on the shoulders of a lot of people um, that have kind of pioneered the sport, but I think it was time for that sport to grow up and and turn into a real legitimate pursuit you know not just oh yeah i know a weird guy fly fishes for muskie (laughs) you you know like legitimate tactics tools gear if we want more gear if we want more dollars if we want more for these fish if we want to see more bigger muskie we need commercial businesses that say muskie Mm -hmm. are important to us that's what muskie fool is muskie are important to us fly anglers that's what we stand for uh and that's kind of my story a little bit so long a long path to to answer that question but hopefully i hit on a few things 
That, that's okay. Before, before I chop John off, and I know John's going to have a pretty good plethora, um, I just wanted to ask you, we hear this a lot. John and I hear this a lot. And we're working, guys. You know, somebody might say, well, CFO isn't a working position. But it is a working position. You're working and you're doing stuff. And that's, and that's all a part of the game. But what was the moment? Uh, you said there's a couple different things that happened. But what was the moment that you just said to hell with it? Because I think everybody kind of, you know, we all hit that point in our career where it's like, you know what, it's no longer worth it. And maybe this part isn't necessarily fishing related, but there's a lot of us that sit out on the river or on the lake. And we think about like, what, what would make me just say the hell with it? And then, you know, go live off of pork and beans and live in the back of a van and come out here and do this every day. What, what would be that point? What was it for you? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, I, I think so literally what had you know so i was uh, a cfo what does that mean effectively at a startup my job is to make sure we have money in the bank account and for a growing business that often means that you have to go raise money and uh we raised money from a new awesome investor um in fall before covid lots of money and they said to us this is not meant to sit in your bank account we want you to spend it and grow that's what venture capitalists do. It's, it's there. It's there. It's why they exist. And, um, we did just that. We hired almost a hundred people in six months and it was absolutely nuts. Um, you know, building the plane as you fly is literally, you know, that's kind of the, the MO of startups. And, uh, that was from about August, 2020 to, or, uh, excuse me, August, 2019 until about March, 2020. Well, we all know what happened in March 2020. The world shifted and uh, we got on a board meeting and effectively the board meeting went like this. Um, hey, guys, we have 150 portfolio companies that have all laid off 20% or more, except for you guys. And uh, like the dumb idiots we were, we looked at each other smiling like, nice, we're the good ones. And, and really what they meant was hurry the fuck up and fire 20% of the company, which effectively was all of the people we just hired. And, um, you know, I, I wasn't naive, right. To say like, Oh, these big, bad VCs like that, that. I was well within, I knew exactly what I had signed up for, but I think it was a final straw of like the only way that you are going to control your own destiny is to go control your own destiny and not work for somebody. And I think mm-hmm. I, I was at a startup at a young, you know, hip startup. I had all of the latitude and benefits and perks fully remote and all of the stuff that you think about when you think about Silicon Valley startups. And it was still just like, oh man, this is soul crushing. (laughs) And you can really, you can, you can silence that. You can quiet that voice down. There's lots of methods for doing that. Some legal, some illegal, but um, ultimately I think that last moment pre COVID during COVID right as it hit was the final nail of like, you're either going to do this now or when the hell are you going to do this? So that was kind of the, the leave, but there was not a grass is musky fool. Wasn't a thing yet. It wasn't even an idea. It wasn't a concept. And I think I've actually heard it from a few people that they, um, I, I laugh and chuckle because it makes me smile that it was, you know, I, I tell that story and they probably assume we made millions of dollars in, as a CFO. And that's how we started musky fool. And, I wish that was the case. If that, if that, if that was supposed to happen, I definitely screwed that one up. 
Um, you know, this, this one it's fully owned by us, fully funded by us, but it's the only thing bankrolling it is a lot of hard work. It's not, <laughs> it'd yeah. be a lot easier if I had a million dollar check, believe me, believe me. Man. But yeah, that's, that's a little bit about, you know, what happened. And I don't, I don't want anybody to feel bad for us or I hope I'm sure they don't, I hope they don't, but it, you know, if there's anything to take away from that, it's, you know, don't quiet that voice down forever. You yeah. know, the clock is ticking and mm-hmm. uh, my clock is ticking the same speed as yours. That, that's, that's all I wanted to know. Cause I know like, we'll, we'll go back to fishing, but when you said that, I just wanted to know that. Yeah. And Dave, so recently, I mean, this was kind of big. You opened your brick and mortar. We sure did. Dude, so how how is that after all these years? I say all these years, but after <laughs> twenty nineteen, right? That's when you guys were 20, okay. 20, 2020. That was when the musky fool madness began. So we're actually coming up here September eighth. Will be our two year anniversary. It feels a lot longer than two years. Very it's, cool. It's, it's well, only two years. Thank yeah, you. Congratulations. So how how is that? I mean after all this hard work with you and your wife getting all this and all your friends that you've made along the way, how, how is it finally having that brick and mortar store? You know, honestly, it's like surreal. I think still like genuinely authentically, that's my answer. When I walk in there every single day um, and customers walk in, it, it's, it's the most real that any piece of this business has ever felt. I mean, literally it is the, 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 you know, the, there's no hiding behind a computer, um, behind a, a web page, behind a social media page. So it's it still, it still is a little bit of pinch yourself. Um, I, I think extremely grateful for the outpouring of support and also, you know, and I say this kind of, if, if any of our employees are listening, like we fucking crushed it they fucking crushed it and it was just a fun process to work with people also pursuing their dreams you know we we two of our employees like one of them literally wrote a business plan for a fly shop five years ago when he graduated business school to start his own you know and and to give him the like the platform to watch him do what he's really good at which is help us you know build that fly shop it was it was awesome so the whole process uh, I definitely am not in a hurry to to start another one because, um, <laughs> oh, man, was it a lot of work. But it's one of those weird adrenaline type two fun type things. I mean, we we were literally the last two weeks, 20, 20 hours a day. And, you know, it would be it'd be at, it'd be like four in the morning and we kind of look around in the shop as we're, you know, price tagging the 600th liter. Like, should we keep going, man? This is so much fun. And it's true. We're not bullshit. Like, you know, how often do you get to kind of do that? Once, hopefully. Um, but like, that was, yeah, it was just a really special period. It's been special since it's been open. Um, and it also just, I think, feels really good. I, I think there was a lot of, um, you know, we're in an industry that for, for good reason, puts a lot of emphasis on brick and mortar fly shops, local fly shops. And um, we were not that until those doors opened. 
you know, you can put all the creative energy you want in social media and make it personal and talk about how we're in Wisconsin and we're here and you can come pick shit up at my door. But until those four doors open, we, you know, I think we, we, we entered a new phase, entered a new chapter, you know, meeting new customers, the way vendors talk to us. It's definitely, it's definitely changed a lot of things over here for the better. So. Well, dude, that's, that's fantastic. I mean, so there's still only to this day a handful of shops you can get like true blue like predator materials from but one of the things i i love about your shop is the availability to get flies from dudes that are in the predator game like guides and like you've got justin carnes justin's one of my good friends and you've got mark burns and all these guys are tying flies for your shop And that's just awesome that it gives, you know, people that I know (laughs) this opportunity to get some of their work out there and it's appreciated. And that's, that's just really cool because not only are you this brick and mortar, like you built that shit, you know, no, no one, no one can, no one can look at you and be like, Oh, you know, blah, 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 blah. You, you just did all this. And it's like, you know, I had this guy tell me one time, you know, he's like, you can't get upset about what people think. You know, you said you, you have to look at it and you have to ask yourself, what did they build? Well, you built Muskie Fool. It's like all these other people that are just, you know, that might be talking crap, whatever. It's like, fuck them, dude. It's like you built Muskie Fool. Like this is the one stop shop for predator fishing. And I love that. That's literally some of the coolest shit ever. So so what, what was the infatuation with Muskie, though? I know Wisconsin born and bred. And, mm-hmm. it's, it's, and the, the only thing that runs in your veins other than Muskie is cheese and beer. So it's like, but what, what, what started? Oh, yeah. At least you used the right name for it. So what started that obsession? What was the first Muskie that was like, okay, this is, this is what I'm going to do? Yeah. Yeah. Um... You know, there's like, I, I think there's a, uh, I'd love to tell you there was a moment. The closest moment there was, was um, we were bass fishing up at the Turtle Flambeau. And it was the first time as a kid that I had uh, seen a muskie eat another fish that we were after. We had a smallmouth bass on, muskie came and ate it, you know, and was on for a minute. And, oh my God, what was that? Oh my God. You know, the madness that ensues. And, um, I think that was like the inception moment. And then as I grew up and, and kind of, you know, you go through this phase of figuring out if you, if you pursue fishing, at least, um, you, you, you probably go through this phase of maybe, um, at least I did really un- taking inventory of stock and have how I was taught to fish and then relooking at that and saying, well, that's that's what I was taught but what if there's all these other things out there there's all these other things I can pursue and um you know this is really happening right around high school and a high school college and um I I think it was just kind of a match with my obsessive pretty obsessive personality you know I I think and when I had that like subconscious history with this fish like that's what we talked about when we went fishing that's what we were after um and then you know i i really decided 
for the first time, especially after kind of, you know, childhood, if you will, like, this is what I want to do. This is, this is the fish that I keep thinking about. Um, so that's, it really kind of just started to bleed. And then I think why it worked and why I'm here is because of muskie. Then you take that obsession and you put it to a fish like muskie and it, it really is an unlimited amount of obsession because you can't pattern these fish. You can't figure them out. Sure. There's books written about how they've been figured out. That's all bullshit. So at the end of the day, when you put it together with muskie, it is a, a pretty much an open canvas uh, of, and I think that's why you see that obsessiveness be a common theme with some of the predator fishing, because it's, it's unlike trout and smallmouth bass and even some saltwater fishing in that we don't know what these things are doing all the time. We don't know how to catch them all the time. And it drives people nuts. And I think it drives me nuts. And that's at the end of the day, why it's, it's musky for me, you know, I, I, and will probably always be because I don't see us ever figuring them out. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I sure hope not. I mean, we, we don't, uh, you know, we don't need to uh, turn it into a video game any more than it's becoming already. Uh, you know, I, I see a lot of people that don't have a lot of respect for those predator fish and, and they've never caught them. They've never shook hands with one before. So they don't understand the, the difference of the power. You know, there's there's something to be said about, you know, like John goes after Gar. There's there's a total difference between that and a smallmouth bass as a smallmouth bass predatory. Sure. But a Gar is a hell of a lot more predatory. Uh, it, you know, it's the king of the river where it's at. You know, I don't know of anything else besides a human that's going to take out a guard. Same thing with a muskie and pike. I don't know, you know, unless they're in their juvenile infancy and you have birds of prey, that would be the exception. There's probably not a whole hell of a lot that's swimming in those rivers that's going to take on a muskie or a pike, um, which which makes them, it, then it pits predator against predator. So you're talking about that, uh, not figuring it out. It's yeah, the puzzle of the muskie, it's like, here's something that likes to kill things. And we like to kill things as humans, you know, theoretically speaking, right? We are hunter gatherers, you know, at, at the heart of everything. Um, but but you, you're pitting predator on predator, which is a pretty interesting thing, because we're hunting it, but it's hunting what we're putting out. So it, it's, it, they're, they're well, a cool and I think fish. Just your word choice, you're using the word hunting. I think that's that's inherently part of the difference, right? I, I don't think anyone can say they feel like they're hunting trout. And that's not meant to be dismissive of trout. And probably trophy, large, predatory brown trout, right? There's an exception to every rule. But the point being, yeah, we're really hunting. And I think when we start to look at the characteristics of muskie and gar, they do kind of represent a different type of predator, right? It's that real, real apex predator. You know, you, you start to look at like how grizzly bears act, right? Like they know that there's no one badder than them in the water mm -hmm. and they act like it. That's why they swim up to boats and take fish off hook and line. And, you know, they, they do these weird things that drive us as anglers nuts. But I think from my perspective, when you look at them, it's, you know, it's like a goofy grizzly bear just doing whatever the hell he wants, whenever he wants, however he wants. There's no pattern. Like, I don't wake up and go eat on a new moon, you know, moon overhead. Like, no, 
I don't even yeah. know about that. I just wake up and I'm hungry and I go destroy things and then I sleep. Yeah. <laughs> like they're not. So I or think I just we, sit in the middle of a mud pile and they come out of nowhere. That's a, that's yeah. the crazy part of muskie. It's, it's like, you don't, they don't sit in like a pocket of water. They are in log jams and grass flats and out in the middle of the damn river, right off the corner of a dock or, you know, it's not like bass where you can count on like, I bet there's a bass back in those trees or a trout. I bet there's a trout in that seam or salmon where, you know, you're running through and it's like, this hole's about 15 feet deep. If I get it down to the bottom, something's going to grab. It's not like that. They're, they're mysterious. They sure are. Oh yeah. And I think that's, that's the allure of them. And I think, we're at an interesting time in muskie fishing um, because for the first time ever, we have all the tools at our disposal, more so in the conventional world. But I mean, you literally have $70,000 boats that can find you fish. You have every bait that you can imagine dialed in perfectly, tuned perfectly, colored up custom Team Rhino colors, you know, and I, I think... Um, you you see a pretty fine just juxtaposition with that world and what we're doing in fly fishing and i think it's for the better you know i there's not a lot of live scope being used in fly fishing and i think yeah. there's a reason for that it's not because the the anglers are poor and can't afford live scope it's not because the anglers are you know not trying to use there's there's just something that motivates a fly angler generally speaking differently mm -hmm. than than a conventional angler and i think that is a cool juxtaposition that we're seeing and i think we're going to see more of as you know tournaments deal with forward facing sonar and all this crap and then oh, it's yeah. like, meanwhile we're over here in an inner tube floating down a river casting string and rope at a at a muskie um it's a little different absolutely so what is your i mean i've got a decent idea so what is your actual take on electronics then um uh, are you for them are you against them uh, i think in you know late like specifically uh, it's uh it's very useful at least to know depth i think you should know depth period unless you're um very small bodies of water person yeah. person i think you should know depth regardless um, but um, what's, your, what's your take yeah. on it? So I, it's, it's definitely my take and my take only. This is not yeah. me trying to uh, soap soapbox, but I think um, I'll say this. I, I think it is, we're going to have to enter this conversation and admit that there is, it's not black and white, right? Um, yeah, absolutely. We, we've had, we've had technology locating depth, since at least the 50s if not farther back um we have reached a new era where we now cannot we are not subjected to just fishing in the past which is effectively what down imaging and side imaging create they create a, a picture of the past we are now able to fish into the future into present right with forward-facing sonar that has live immediate haptic feedback so I think what we have seen, especially with muskie, is that we are coming to a point, and I believe that we should think about, you know, why we fish for these things. We're hunting. 
we can't use walkie-talkies to hunt for deer in Wisconsin. Why not? Because we would kill too many deer. It's, it's been ruled effectively that that's not fair, Chase. And that's where I effectively stand on live sonar, you know, live forward-facing imaging. I, I think uh, I've seen it used. It's absolutely incredibly effective. Not everyone can use it. You have to figure it out, right? You have to learn it and know how to react to it and know how to use it as a tool. But once you do, it's, it's incredibly effective. Um, the effectiveness is not while I'm against it, though. I, I think what it has done is it has literally made it so muskies can't hide, and it has made it so you can effectively snag them. Um, you, you can literally see the fish cast to it and figure out if you've pulled it in, you know, without it having to eat. And I think that introduces ethical considerations that we just have to address. I, personally speaking, I'll just summarize. I do believe, like, we need to implement um, restrictions that, that put into place because that's the only way. Otherwise, Garmin, Hummingbird, they just make better technology, better technology, better technology, gets better and better and better. And we're only here in 2022, and we can basically see the fish on live TV. Yeah. Do we want that train to keep running? I, I don't think any of us in our heart of hearts want that to keep going. Yeah. And for, for myself personally, I fish both conventional and fly. And when we're offshore and we're looking for where the bigger fish are, we're looking for bait, you know, bait balls out there. And you're talking about 18, 20 miles offshore in the ocean and a lot of water. And we use that, but one thing I do notice about like the down imaging and all that, it doesn't necessarily tell you that the fish are there, but with that live scope and, and forward imaging, it absolutely paints a picture clear as day. And I have none of that technology on my boat, but I've seen it in action. And I don't know. There's, there's you can something... follow, you can, have you seen it where you can follow a fish around? Yeah, I, I've seen it. Fish. I've seen it where you can follow the lure. Yeah. Well, so yeah. It, and then the fish, will the show fish you. moves, the fish yeah. swims over there and you're like, Oh, there he is. Oh, nope. There he's going out to open water. Oh, let's follow him. Oh, now he's over here. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I mean, it, when I go personally, when I go out fly fishing, I don't want any electronics. I want the shock and surprise of the fish coming out of the water to do a dry eat or, you know, cause I, I, I trout fish, you know, fly fish. That's what we have around here. Mm -hmm. We're in the West. Mm -hmm. Why not? You know, uh, I, I don't want to know when that fish is coming up because it's kind of pitting yourself against the fish. And then, well, and know, I think even, the other, even the in other a thing lake. that's, yeah. The other thing that's important there is you don't feel like you probably need it. No, that's musky, it. musky drive us to needing it. That's the yeah, unique oh, piece with musky is like, they drive people to be like, well, you know, if I could use this and I could go catch 12 fish in a tournament while everybody else catches two. See, I think that, that, you know, that whole, and that's where I think I, it has to be must be yeah. specific a little bit. Cause you're right. Ocean. Like you can't tell guys out in the ocean that they can't use forward facing sonar. They'd laugh at us. Yeah. But you know, you're musky. If we're going to narrow the conversation down, I think they are uniquely susceptible to this. Um, but they also, they do a lot of self-regulating. You were already seeing that muskie know that there's live imaging beeping on their heads and yeah. sometimes they swim away from it. 
but yeah. that just that just allows the company to implement a due frequency ban that the, you know we can see how this one keeps going yeah right now yeah. next next year it's silent live imaging you know and the year after that it's like so it, it that's where my take is we're either going to nip this in the bud with fish and wildlife regulations or we have to just stock the hell out of every body of water because we're gonna work these fish are getting napalmed yeah yeah they're, they're getting hooked too frequently and you know they, there's a reason why a muskie is called the fish of ten thousand casts and it's because you know it probably takes a couple hundred thousand casts when you go muskie fishing you should expect to spend all day on the water casting and casting and working structure and you know doing all that kind of stuff i think i think the the idea of you know using all this imaging and stuff even in a tournament i mean let's let's really talk about what what all encompasses angling skill you know and i don't care if you're like a conventional or a fly person but what encompasses angling skill if you're going to go to a tournament it should encompass angling skill not all this electronics all this technology all this other stuff let's just look at the skill that it takes you know understanding okay the water's 70 degrees today what are they likely going to hit they're going to hit the top or are they going to eat meat are they going to be out in the grass flat hunting you know subsurface do we have bait fish present you know throw in all those elements but that's stuff that the angler has to understand and know instead of saying well we're just going to go out here and we're going to ping this thing at 800 megahertz and we're going to go find fish and yeah they might swim away but we'll be able to track their direction we'll shut it off and we'll just start you know carpet bombing that area basically we're going to grit it off until we get that fish to bite or snag yeah i i that's that's well, the damn thing US, about throwing money and fishing, you know. Yeah, well, and and it's you know it's also I I I am in an interesting position because I'm making it my livelihood to get more people into musky fishing. So you know, there's a lot of people that think that's bad, right? Um, mm -hmm. Fishing pressure is bad, and and I, I I will make a constant and a consistent stance that if we don't have anglers, we don't have fisheries exactly but we are in a new era of the conversation with this technology i think and that's what we're kind of it makes us feel a little weird right because it it we wouldn't be having this conversation not just the three of us but the musky world if it wasn't working and that's what i think like is is the key is this isn't some new bait. This isn't some new, it, it's definitely having an impact it's spreading like wildfire. And we're going to have a decision on our hands. I think um, we'll see. We'll see. Yeah. You don't have to worry about us using it though. That's for dang sure. <laughs> uh, well, it, it goes back to what I, I think it was. Uh, can't remember which one of you asked, but why do I, why musky? as soon as we figure them out and you tell me exactly where they're going to be and tell me, I just need to drop it down and jig it. And it's purple and right there. Eh, I'm, I'm bored. I don't, I'm not, no, thanks. Not musky fool anymore. That's musky easy. Like that's not why we do it. And I think we got to remember, you know, it's, we're seeing this everywhere though, right? Crossbows and archery, oh, yeah. you know, it's, it's a constant thing we deal with. And I think we have tools to deal with it. We've done it in hunting. So mm -hmm. I'm hopeful. I'm optimistic. And, and I think, so, I mean, taking the hunt out of the aspect is 
incredibly, I don't know, for me, it'd be detrimental. I, I wouldn't want to do it anymore. You know, that's, that's the allure of fishing is figuring yep. out, you know, why are they eating or better yet? Why are they not? Why, why is this fish not eating this fly? And that's, that's, that's what drives you insane. That's what keeps you on the water. That's what keeps you going back for that hunt because the next day you're going to go back and maybe they do eat it. And then it's like, what, what the hell? Like, why, why? But we never, we can never really pinpoint that down. And I think well, that's that. You're spot on, man. I think you nailed it. it. It's just, it's that puzzle, dude. It's, and muskie are like the most perplexing, one of the most perplexing fish out there. Yeah. And then like, I think what live scope offers, if I could just like exactly what you just said, plus it gives an angler the feeling of God superpowers. Muskie are the most perplexing fish out there. And with live scope, I have figured them out. And I think any of us can relate to that emotion. Like, you know, if I told you, dude, I got the hot fly, I guarantee you it's going to work and it'll catch you a muskie. Are you going to tell me, no, I don't want it? Probably not. Like most of us can relate to that emotion of like, oh, yeah, I want to figure it out a little bit more. But we've we've just hit this new point where like it kind of puts a period on the sentence and is like, well, that well now it's over. We we figured it out. We know exactly where they go, what they do, how they do it, and that's where you lose me. You definitely lose me. So musky fool. It's been around 2020, brick and mortar. But something else that you guys have been doing is uh, the Beast of the East. You guys were contributing um, to that uh, the past few years. Is that correct? Yes, sir. And we will so, be sponsoring it again. And actually, this will be the first year there will be a musky fool at the Beast. Not me, unfortunately, but we got, we got <laughs> one of our, our dudes coming out. He's, he's stoked. Yeah, that's that's what I was gonna ask if you guys were actually gonna make it out there, but that's awesome that you. Get... So, I'm gonna use this though, Jonathan. My one yeah. other soapbox of the evening is gonna be to uh, anybody that organizes the Beast of the East, Monster Mash, or Treelands, the three fly fishing musky tournaments in the world. We sponsor all of them. They should not be the same week. I would like to go to all three of them someday in the same year. So if they're listening next year. There are lots of months in the musky calendar. Let's pick some different dates. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, I would hope that they would listen to us, but you know, we're, we, we they have haven't like listened to me listeners. in two years. Yeah. Don't yeah. worry. They haven't listened yeah. to me in two years. So, right, well, yeah. well, I, I would be more than happy to go advocate for that because I've heard on multiple different occasions, a lot of different things going on. Uh, it, and it seems to always be in fishing that there's either trade shows that stack on top of each other in the same week or tournaments that stack on top of each other. It's like, why don't these people talk to each other? And I guess from the only thing I can logically think of in my feeble mind is, is that somebody started this and all three of those people or that group of people were all together. Somebody got pissed off, went, started their own thing. Another guy got pissed off, started his own thing. Everybody hated each other. And then they turned it into another big ass competition of 
how many people can we get to come and spend the entry fees that, and all this? That other sounds crap? like the musky world. So that would yeah. probably be on par with, I don't, that's, it's not the case though. They actually like, they, they get along. I think it honestly just becomes like, you know, we're going to come up on another tournament year. Beast of the East is going to have one of their most successful years to date. Same with Treelands. Just a prediction. They're going to say, oh, that was awesome. Should we do it again next year? Everybody says yes. Let's do it the same date. Sounds good. Repeat. And it just kind of, we keep going down that path. Like, I don't think there's any malice. It's just a little bit of like, ah, but we like our weekend. Are you going to move? No, we like our weekend. Okay, bye. And it, frankly, both of those tournaments fill up. So, they're, you know, I could be the crazy one over here, but I, I like to celebrate all the things that Muskie Country has to offer. And we have three awesome tournaments, and I want to go to all of them, mm-hmm. <laughs> selfishly. Yeah. Well, you would think that the other anglers, like, you know, like John. I know they do. do. You know, John's going to do Beast of the East. I'm too far away to do it. But, but it's a lot more affordable for him. But I'm sure that he'd like to go to all three. Let's, let's take that for example. What have they thought about the economic advantage of that? I mean, we're at the point where I, I used to think it was a good idea. I was going to keep secret, but I got too many, too many things. We're at the point where we have a tournament trail for musky fly fishing. We have three destinations already on the calendar. Uh, there's a fourth one that used to exist down south. Like it's already the the raw materials are there and i i don't want to over commercialize this and i don't think what i'm saying is turn this into bassmaster classic it would never happen we're talking about musky yeah. fly yeah. anglers yeah but that community is so powerful and if you would get to experience that community four times a year in different places that would be badass yeah that's all i would like to see <laughs> dude no joke i mean that would be sick like actually sick it'd be awesome yeah i'd do it i'd do it i'm i i told them i would sign up for all three but that's just one person one one little person so what whatever happened to that uh tournament that was going on in tennessee uh i i don't actually have any really if i i'm not bullshitting you guys if i knew i would tell you i think um you know what i was told is it just kind of there was somebody spearheading it, putting it, uh, you know, the passion into it. And they just did other working on other things. And, you know, if you don't have that energy and passion, it's, it's what it takes to get one of those off the ground. Um, never got to go, but you know, I heard it was a really good event and for what it's worth, that event hardly strictly musky was in May, which is awesome because that's not the same week as the other three. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah no that was uh I, I heard i heard that was a cool one i know chris willen used to guide up there a lot down um, there down there that's right down uh, there. up there for you down there for me yeah, yeah you're right um yeah they won it i believe i i have seen a chris willen blaine chocolate uh mike schultz championship trophy for hardly strictly musky so what what are what are some of your plans for yourself? Not necessarily just musky full, but what's something you're trying to get, you know, accomplished this year for yourself, dude? Uh, same goal it is every year: world record musky on the fly. You can ask everybody that I am nowhere near it because I have not spent enough time on the water. But that's 
that that motivates me every single year and it's definitely i will admit there is an ego huge amount of ego involved in that right it's a world record like but i just it's the last attainable musky world record that is possible um without killing a fish so i think it, it motivates me to stay hungry as an angler motivates me to find water with big fish and it motivates me to pursue new tactics on flies to do it on a fly rod and I think that's, that's personally, like, that's, that's what I'm about when I go fishing. Um, it never works out, but it's at least a good goal to have. <laughs> <laughs> it like, sounds like a good goal. You probably, you know, it sounds like you're a serious angler and then it's like, well, yeah, I just fail all the time, but at least it sounds cool. <laughs> well, and, and, uh, you know, it, I like the idea that you can go for that world record and not have to kill the fish. The fish goes back and it grows again. And eventually, maybe in another four or five years, somebody else gets the opportunity to catch that fish, and maybe it's grown five or six inches, and then you know the cycle starts over again. That's what I like yes, about that. I totally. I, in fact, I don't know why we have musky records where you need to keep the fish. The Minnesota record would have been shattered years ago because they caught those fish. They just no one wanted to kill them, um, or no one had that fish die while they caught it. You know what I mean? So yeah. I totally, totally agree with you there. It, yeah, we were. It, yeah, it, I mean, yeah, we talked I mean, to Mark. Yeah, we, yeah. we were talking to Mark about the conservation and how uh, a lot about concert. So, Muskie, uh, I guess we'll we'll tiptoe into that a little bit. I didn't mean to cut you off, Brian, but no, you're okay. Go for it. So, what the conservation piece? Are are you? Uh, I would imagine you're a big part of Muskie's Inc., right? Yep, I'm on the board here for our chapter in Madison, which is the second largest chapter in the country, Cap Cities Muskies Inc. Um, I mean, we Madison is now renowned as having a trophy muskie fishery that is not possible without Muskies Inc. 100% cause and effect. Um, so that's a, a pretty cool, pretty cool organization. They do a lot of things and have done a lot of things to get us to this point for sure. So what what are some of the things that you know people always talk about like oh trout unlimited blah blah blah, blah. it's like so what what are but muskies ink what what is what is muskies ink i mean if you don't mind talking about it some just maybe there's some people listening that are that want to contribute and maybe want to be a part of that and kind of help yeah. the cause if you will so how, how do we go about doing that? And what, what is, yeah. Oh, what is it? I, I will happily talk about this. So Muskies Inc. is a, a large nationwide organization. Um, started back in the 70s, I believe. Don't quote me on that, but I'm pretty certain. Um, and it really came out of anglers who were, were musky fools through and through. They, they loved muskies. They loved fishing for muskies. And they started to really see that if they wanted to keep fishing for bigger muskies, they had to get people to not kill them all. And that's really where it started was catch and release fishing for muskies, promoting that, promoting it over and over and over again, making it cool, you know, tournaments, catch and release, uh, helping get size limits raised on lakes. And this is really what the ground floor of that was. And then that um, really quickly turned into stocking programs. So they, they, you know, their main, the main thing that Muskie Zinc does today across their chapters is stocking. Not every single one does it, but majority do it. And that's, you know, what they do to exist. And I think, um, 
you know, I think that's a good and a bad thing. I think it's a good thing because we have a really strong nationwide interconnected organization made up of small local chapters that are literally out there maintaining and creating trophy fisheries. The bad side of that is we require stocking to maintain and create trophy fisheries. Yeah, it's that. It's that we are. We, door, man. Yeah, if you look at Trout Unlimited, it's it's you know they're a little bit in in graduate school. We're still in high school. We're still just yeah. we're just taking pails of a fish and putting them in the pond. We're not talking about stream rehabilitation, water quality, egg runoff, spawn habitat. A little bit. There's some pockets. There's a cool project out um, in North Carolina on the French Broad River right now, the southernmost native musky river in the world. And uh, they are literally building spawn habitat. It's the first of its kind. Um, so there's some stuff happening. But for the most part, uh, Muskies Inc. is an organization that promotes catch and release and is hugely impactful in, in fish stocking. So much so that you know, I think this gets a bad rap, so I'll take a minute to explain it. If you join Muskie's Inc., which I encourage you to do so, it's pretty cheap, and effectively your dollars go to Muskie stocking, um, you have the ability to sign up for the Lunge Law, which is where Muskie anglers of all shapes and sizes across the country literally log their catches. And that is something I've never seen in any other type of fishing. Um, and it is very counterintuitive because it includes the date and the spot. And where that came from is catch and release. That was how they promoted the ethic was helping, you know, log and build this leaderboard of non-killed fish that you literally had to select. I released this fish when you log it. And then it also helped showcase the, the um, popularity and success of stocking because you would literally see stocking programs commence. And then 10 years later, fish over 45 inches showing up in the lunge log it was working um and i think that's a pretty cool pretty cool thing and right now we think it's really cool because it's an uh a vehicle by which we can show the musky world that lo and behold you do catch muskies and big ones on flies because we log them and i think you know it, it's it's absolutely a little bit of a leaderboard ego not why we fish but i think worth uh worth noting because i do get a lot of questions about that um and i think you know there's some good reasons behind it so that's a little bit about muskies inc definitely encourage everyone to sign up to their local chapter if you don't have a local chapter find your favorite musky water and join that local chapter um because those are the those are the guys and girls you know fighting the good fight for those fisheries yeah well, yeah, yeah. Go ahead, Brian. I'm sorry. Uh, I, I just wanted to ask, um, is Muskies Inc. doing all of the spawning and rearing of those fish or, or uh, does the DNR do that and then Muskies Inc. Uh, reimburses them and, and then does the stocking? The latter. They're being purchased from DNR organizations. So Minnesota DNR, Wisconsin DNR. Yep. So we okay. are stocking. Yep, exactly. So there's no Muskies Inc uh spawning and rearing sure sure would be an interesting development if there would be though we can talk about why i feel like that but yeah that would be that'd be interesting now um when when you're you're talking about muskies inc uh you're talking about just purely muskie lunch 
uh, uh, not tiger musky, nothing else like that, or uh, does that represent tigers also? They, they extensive work with tigers. So within the lunge locks, for instance, you, there's a hybrid category. Um, you know, a lot of the stocking in some of the local clubs, they do stock tigers as part of their muskies ink budget. So I think as far as muskies ink is concerned, tiger muskies are muskies and uh, we love them just the same for sure. And that's, what's cool. Like I'll just, share an example about madison here so the madison chain of lakes is in wisconsin but it is in the non-native range of muskies meaning there are not natively muskies in these lakes so a long time ago people from the club wanted to get it stocked and worked with the dnr to do so the dnr at that time was stocking uh, upper wisconsin and upper chippewa strain muskies that's what wisconsin typically stocks um at least prior to the whole great lakes strain boom but uh, you know, as the folks in the Cap City Muskies Inc. Club were watching the developments at Millax and Leech and Cass and Vermilion, they wanted Leech Lake fish stocked in these lakes and were effectively able to work with the DNR to do that as long as they were able to raise the funds to buy those fish, which are usually more expensive, and stock them in the lakes so that we could use the chain of lakes as a study to say we have, in fact, in fact we have all three strains of muskies stocked in these lakes and we can now compare their growth rates compare their survival rates compare their catch and release rates all of that stuff in one controlled study um, which has been really cool and it's also i think part of the reason we have a trophy fishery in madison it's because we're not just stocking wisconsin genetics um, so that's that's like muskies inc did that you know what i mean like that was muskies inc not and that's why I think that organization, those local chapters do have a lot of power. Yeah. I, and I was just curious about that because I know that um, out, out your way, we, we send steelhead to the Great Lakes and you guys send us tiger muskie out here. And do you that's call all them that, steelhead when you send them to us? Or do you guys call them lakefront rainbows when you send them over here? Well, after they come out of the lake and back in, <laughs> they're, they're a rainbow trout, but they are schematic. There you go. Strain. Good. So, so they are schematic strain <laughs> steelhead. Yep. You yep. know, so they'll run out there, they'll get fat, and then they'll give some kid a ride on a center pin, you know, whatever. That, and, but that, that's, it's angled on a bead more likely than not. But yeah. Yeah. I know. Yeah, I know. That's, yeah. So uh, I, I guess if a bead's a big deal, you'd hate the water bait we throw at them out here. But uh, our rivers are also five times bigger. So, um, but we get the tiger muskie from you guys. So our Department of Fish and Wildlife, your equivalent DNR and Parks and Wildlife for John, they've been getting the tigers and putting them in certain reservoirs to control yellow perch population. So that gives you kind of an idea of what you got to throw around for them. So it's kind of like, okay, well, you know, so maybe they get a little more predictable around here, but they still come out of nowhere for most of the anglers. I've, I've been doing my research. I want to fish for the tigers around here. Um, most of them are across state lines from where I'm at now, but we do have one reservoir and that reservoir is eight hours away in, in yep. Oregon. So it's a long ways to be able to go consistently fish them. So I'm not going to be out, you know, buying a bunch of musky gear per se unless i really like if i go buy my washington fishing license and i go up to their fisheries because they're a lot closer then i'd be calling no you and, and, like, and really really good fisheries too i mean we're i think the 
what those musky fisheries unfortunately get is they get this like ah well we're out here in trout and steelhead country and it's not that yeah. great and it's like no we have some awesome customers who like that's all they do are those yeah. tiger musky fisheries and they're phenomenal um and 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 for you guys i imagine there's probably not as many people out there because they're on the steelhead rivers and the trout creeks and that's and that's exactly it well and and one of the reservoirs that they do stock with the tiger muskie uh it, it's a prolific kokanee trolling uh place so what you'll have is you'll have guys out there they're trolling for kokanee well you're you're pulling a dodger and and a little wedding ring all of a sudden they got their rods and they're just slammed in the rod water and the lines go pop pop like that and it's like well I can tell you what did that, you know, there's <laughs> nothing else in our lakes that are that big that, that, yep. that would do that, but you do see it on occasion. Um, and in one of the other lakes, it's a prolific largemouth bass fishery. So these guys are out there throwing spinner baits in early spring, you know, kind of cold, to warm water. And now all of a sudden they get this tiger muskie and it flies out and they chase it and they don't know what to do. They're not, they're not like, Oh, muskie and start figure eighting, you know, like we would, but you know, uh, I, I'm just, it's cool how, you guys are actually getting into stocking those for other people in other parts of the country. Yeah, I think it's, it's awesome. And I mean, it goes back to what this state it's part of our resource. I mean, right. I mean, we ship muskies all over the world and I think we um, I'd like to see us think about that a little bit more deeply because I think it's, it's, it's a really important responsibility. People, people look to Wisconsin for muskie, you know, and um, we can't fuck around with the ones we got. <laughs> no, exactly. No, you're absolutely right. For sure. Yeah, man. But you should, that... uh, yeah. If you make it over to Washington or down to Utah, you should let me know. Cause we got some folks over there. I could point you in the right direction. Well, I definitely, uh, I live about an hour and a half from my first muskie stop here in the Portland area. So I definitely should be shooting you a message and like, cool. Hey, who do, I, who do I talk to? So yep. I'll bring yep. the boat. I can drive the boat up there, all that kind of stuff. And we can go have a good old time. So hell yeah. Sweet. Yeah. But you know, we're running up on the hour here. That was a quick hour, by the way. That sure was. I didn't even I feel like we talked I, about much. <laughs> I think, you know, honestly, when we really get going hard on these predator fish you know whether that be gar musky pike um you know anything that's predatory it, there's just an allure like like we were talking about earlier it's just the hunt but man uh dan where can people get in touch with you to continue this conversation uh i mean musky fool is the place to go musky fool uh instagram musky fool.com uh musky fool on facebook or feel free we are always at the shop even if we're not open brick and mortar give us a call uh you'll either be talking to me gabe rowan josh jen we're uh, we got a whole crew now so we, we look forward to, to talking with everybody very cool R rowan as in like rowan stam that's rowan that's correct yep <laughs> okay dude's dude's been absolutely um he's he's a monster <laughs> he's he is I've seen the logs, huge, and he's on them nonstop. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> it's the hair, man. It's all the hair. You got those, you got those long blonde locks, and muskie seem to like them. And then he just takes a little bit of clump off, ties it on a hook, and then that must be his. <laughs> no, yeah, he's been. Him and Gabe have been having a pretty darn good year. They've they've got some big ones. I was with Gabe for a forty-eight and a half. I was driving home from fishing from with Rowan when he caught his uh, 50 while he was in the boat with Gabe. And, 
you know, that was, that was, um, you know, what, what you see behind some of those fish that I I just want to share is I think like we're taking flies to musky spots that you read about in musky hunter magazine and musky's Inc. And it works. It works a lot better than all those baits they've been seeing for years and years and years. So when, when people ask us, where do we fish? Can I only fly fish on the rivers? The answer is hell no. Go right to where the muskies are and cast flies at them. It will work. I promise. It might just take a little bit. <laughs> for sure. Well, Dan, dude, honestly, just thanks so much for taking time out of your evening and coming on and talking musky and it's been a real pleasure, man. And this really has been an incredibly fast hour. <laughs> it was, it was, that's a good sign. I, I really enjoyed it guys. You're very grateful for asking me to be on and uh, I'm happy to chat musky. It's really, it's really the one thing I get to do every day. So I, I love it. So, so always, always ready for it and could go for more if we want. <laughs> awesome. Well, Dan, there, there, uh, just to echo John, thanks again so much for coming on. Really appreciate you uh, uh, sharing your story of musky fool, sharing your story of transitioning from the the daily grind to doing what you wanted to do, and and also for what you do for the sport and what you do for the fish by promoting uh, musky ink and um, you know educating people and being ethical in general because they are a special fish to a lot of people and uh, you know there so many people don't understand that obsession with that predator, but um, a lot of people just don't have the patience to fish for the predator either. But for those of us that, that love musky fishing, all the casting, all the hard work, the hot sun, the cold weather, the, you know, arm going numb, blown rotator cuffs and hands, not feeling, having any feeling anymore, uh, the, to get that one explosion, you know, that one explosive hit, it, there's nothing like it. And, sure isn't. I haven't found anything like it yet. And they're definitely nope. not, they're definitely not the reason all your walleyes are gone. So we don't need to hear that anymore. Yeah, <laughs> no, they're not, they're not out destroying all the walleye. That's for sure. I've seen more dead ducks uh, than, than walleye. So the king, uh, yeah, I, the kingfishers and the ducks need to watch out for sure. But the walleye yeah. are probably safe. <laughs> so, well, thank you anyways, for coming on. Uh, we're going to put all your information in the show notes and for all of our listeners out there, make sure that you go check out Dan, go check out musky fool you'd be really surprised at, at what he's got out there and all the information you can get, especially if you're new to musky fishing or if you're an experienced musky angler, or if you want to get into fly angling for musky, check out Dan. He's got a lot of great stuff out there. We've had a lot of great guests here as well. Um, and Dan's interconnected with all those folks. It's a, it's a cool community. The predator fishing community is very cool. But with that being said, John, you got anything else to add? No, man, just uh, everybody, thanks so much for your continued support for the podcast and check out our sponsors. And by the way, this episode, once again, was brought to you by Troutlander Nets, Max and Outfitters, um, Lid Rig, Angry Rooster Fly Company, and Morris Fly Co. So everybody, go check them out. They got a bunch of codes for you guys, um, like really good ones, like all of them are 15% or greater. And uh, just the support's been unreal and it means a lot to us and getting your messages on Instagram and all that. It's, it's pretty rad. So please continue to reach out to us. And it it just means a lot. Yeah, absolutely. And there again, uh, to all of our listeners out there, thank you so much for listening, uh, listening to the full episode, supporting the people that we have on here. 
supporting us we we can't uh we wouldn't do this if it wasn't for all of you so if you are getting to this podcast for the first time let's say it was suggested through spotify or apple podcast come on over to instagram look us up at working class fishing or you can go over to facebook and look us up under the working class fishing podcast page we also got a personal page called wc fish we're also on youtube with a lot of cool little shorts we're under working class fishing podcast there we are on the Go, the Go Wild app under Working Class Fishing as well. And if you want to be on the podcast or you know anybody we should have on the podcast, please feel free to shoot us a message through one of those or to our email, workingclassfish at gmail.com. We're always looking for new folks to come on the podcast. We're definitely pushing into season three. So um, make sure that you get those suggestions over to us. We'd love to have people on. So, but until next time, thank you so much for listening. Hope everybody has a wonderful day.